So we have, um, I don't know if the, probably people on Zoom cannot see uh, so well, but um, we, we have a couple of names on the altar tonight and we have one, one photograph. Um, and uh, these, um, these names um, are names of people who uh, were significant to, uh, especially to two of us here tonight. Um, Eva Jarrell, uh, Dave's mother, uh, passed away um, a few weeks ago. And, um, <clears throat> and Jacujo Gary McNabb uh, passed away uh, 10 days ago. He was someone who was very significant and influential on me uh, at, a, at a kind of um, pivotal point in my life. Uh, so um, I'm going to talk um, about him tonight. Uh, I was, I was uh, on a trip last week and uh, I learned while I was away uh, through an email uh, that uh, Gary McNabb, who I've known for, wow, almost well, about 45 years, I guess, um, had, had passed away, had died after a, a very long um, decline uh, due to Parkinson's disease. And um, his death um, hit me surprisingly hard uh, because, because I haven't uh, kept up with him, you know, in person so much in recent years. Um, he lives in uh, or lived in Eugene, Oregon, and <clears throat> he practiced with a group there, led a group there, uh, a Zen group, but he and I just hadn't it had very, we had very occasional um, contact in the last in the last few years. Um, but I, when I became aware um, a, a couple of years ago, maybe maybe well, actually I became aware some time ago that he had Parkinson's, and and um, I became aware a few years ago that uh, it had really gotten more severe. And at that time, I, uh, I started doing uh, weekly uh, a well-being ceremony for him and, um, and some other people that I, in my life uh, that um, are far away, that I, that I don't have regular contact with, um, but that, that, that were really influential or significant to me at one time in my life. And of course, I would do a well-being ceremony for anyone in our sangha too. That was, but it turns out that the people that I've been mainly chanting for on this weekly basis are people that, you know, I knew a long time ago, um, and and are not, and I, and I'm not with so much uh, now, uh, and and I think it was the process of doing that 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 chanting and keeping. Um, Gary McNabb in my in my in front of my consciousness on a weekly basis, that that kept me um, 
connected to him. And so when he died, it was, uh, even though it was to be expected, it really, it really hit me hard. Uh, and, and it was because, well, of doing that, of that service weekly, but also because of the role that he played in, in my life at one time. Um, I met uh, Gary McNabb, who at that time when I met him was not ordained. Um, and I met him in 1976, and I know that that dates me quite a bit. Um, probably uh, before a few of you were born, um, but it can't be helped. Um, and um, at, at the time I met him, um, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't so easy. You know, there wasn't a Zen center on every corner of America. And, uh, you know, you had to, at that time there were, you know, the big cities had Zen centers, uh, New York, you know, San Francisco, uh, LA, you know, there, there were there were Zen centers in those big cities, but Zen center, uh, you know, Zen hadn't really exploded across, you know, the country at that point, you know, and so, you know, there was no, um, and, you know, there were no personal computers, there was no internet, there was, you know, it, there was, there's not nearly the way that we have now to connect with, with, with people. Um, and so, it was uh it was kind of uh well it wasn't it wasn't a big a big surprise that i i ended up meeting Gary McNabb because i was kind of looking for him in a way uh my way seeking mind was uh uh you know operative i had been reading um for a few years at that point, I had been reading uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, and I'd been reading Alan Watts. And I was, um, I was, I was ready to meet. But I, you know, at that point, at that point, I'd never met, I'd never met anybody who was actually practicing, who was actually doing Zen. I was just reading about Zen, but I didn't know any, I didn't know anybody who was you know, uh, actually doing Zen. And um, so, you know, I was on the lookout, kind of. I mean, I wasn't like determined, you know, but, but I had some sort of sort of some, some, some sort of half-hearted intention, you know, from my reading to, to, to uh, uh, meet, meet somebody who I could, for instance, talk to about Buddhism or about Zen practice. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is how, um, this is how life works, right? I mean, you don't really, you don't really, it's not limited to Buddhism. In other words, your way seeking mind isn't limited to Buddhism. If you form even a kind of half-hearted uh, intention uh, to encounter something uh whatever it is uh you're you're probably going to 
you're probably going to find it. You're, it's something is going to come your way that uh, your intention uh, is going to is going to uh, because your your eyes and your ears are open. You're going to see or hear the thing that you're looking for. So my my eyes and ears were kind of open, and I uh, the way that I the, the way that I met Gary McNabb was uh, that um, kind of roundabout. So please indulge me for a minute. It won't be much, but a little bit of personal history. I didn't. I moved to Eugene, Oregon. I didn't know anybody who lived there. I was uh, kind of running away from a situation at that time. I needed a new start, a new, a new a redo, a start over. Uh, and, I, and I kind of ended up in uh, Eugene, Oregon, uh, somewhat, well, again, there was some intention there, but <laughs> it was weak. But that's where I ended up anyway. I decided to be there. And I didn't know anybody, but I liked people, and I liked I liked to get to know people, and so I saw an ad one day for uh, a theater company that was putting on a play called "The Marvelous Life of the Buddha," and they were looking for people to act in that play. And I I had uh, I was on unemployment at that time, so I had some uh, I had I didn't have to work for a few you know months i think maybe for like six months i didn't have to work uh so i i i auditioned for the play and um i uh, i won the part <laughs> because the the director was interested in working with people who had no acting experience and i qualified i had no acting experience and this uh this this uh, this uh, theater troupe was um inspired by i don't know if you ever heard of the bread and puppet theater but it was a big deal at one point in the east coast and uh the person who started this this troupe which was called scarecrow puppet theater um was uh was inspired by that um that troupe and so we we performed in 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 costumes and masks uh that we made uh and I, I, and it was only five people in the play, five people. And um, so everybody had to play uh, like more than one part. Uh, so I played, uh, I played Buddha's mother and I played um, Buddha. And a nice Buddha head, had a whole Buddha head that was made out of scholastic uh, that I wore and some, I think I have a picture. I should have brought the picture of me playing in that play, but I have a picture at home uh of of uh in in my buddha costume <laughs> uh the play um we had a lot of fun i i got to know these people they were wonderful delightful people uh that i am still friends with today uh several of them um and um we had a lot of fun rehearsing the play uh, in production it was rather um a flop didn't didn't have much much of a life in um in front of audiences um but we had a few but um the um the the, the it didn't it didn't last long um 
but the good thing was that I, I met some people and that was, that was the best part for me is that I met some people and, and I met some people that could become uh, friends and, and begin to expand my, my social uh, network. So one of the people in the play introduced me to Gary McNabb and she was uh, his yoga student and she was working for him in his gardening business. And uh, as, it, as, it, as, it, as it turned out, um, after the play was over, um, uh, Gary needed another worker in his gardening business. And uh, my friend from the play recommended me and I needed a job uh, because I didn't have any more unemployment to live off of. So I got to know uh, uh, Gary McNabb um, by working for him in his gardening business. And we went around town mowing lawns and you know doing basic landscape maintenance. And you know it wasn't at that time it 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 wasn't so easy like I was saying before. It wasn't so easy to meet a serious practitioner of Zen. I mean. I, I, I would even wager to say, I don't know, I mean, this for a fact, but Gary McNabb may have been the only serious Zen student in all of Eugene, Oregon at that time. I mean, there just wasn't much of a presence. Um, and, uh, and he was quite serious. He, uh, when I met him, he had already been, uh, been in San Francisco studying at the Institute of Asian Studies, and he was going to Sashin's at San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, and he was uh, then coming back and he was incorporating Zen practice, Zen sitting into his yoga practice at that point. Um, he was um, ordained um, only six years then after I met him, he was actually, he was priest ordained by Richard Baker Roshi, the uh, the first abbot after Suzuki Roshi at San Francisco Zen Center. And he uh, ultimately received Dharma transmission from Tension Reb Anderson in 1998. Um, so, you know, it was rare to meet somebody who was actually a serious Zen student and, and I ended up working for him. Um, you know, that said, I didn't, I didn't really get, you know, close to him. I didn't get that close to him as a, as a person. I didn't become his student. I didn't, uh, um, you know, I just worked for him. That was all. I didn't become a student, but, but I was very, I was very influenced by what he had done. And I kind of was very interested in the, um, in what he had done. And he, he was, even though I, he was a very, um, Gary was, was a very uh, self-assured, uh, very confident person. He was, he was very self-assured, very confident person. And I wasn't at all like that. I was not self-assured, not confident. And so um, it was hard for me to trust um, that you know, in another person, I, 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 I had to really be sure their, their self-assuredness 
and confidence was warranted. Was it really warranted? I mean, and I, I, I didn't know whether, I, I, I had to check that out for a long time and I, I, I didn't know. And so since, I guess if I had felt that it, it was truly warranted, I might've become Gary's student, but I didn't know if it was. Um, he, he was an interesting guy, <laughs> very, very interesting guy. But, but he was sure of himself and he knew what he wanted to do. And there was something in that. And as much as I had a kind of ambivalent relationship with him, I nevertheless did, I mean, follow in a way in his footsteps in, in a number of ways. After I worked for him for a year, I started my own gardening business and just modeled on what he was doing. And a little later, a couple years later, I went to the Institute of Asian Studies in San Francisco for one quarter to check that out. And, but the most important thing was around, right around that time, I didn't start sitting with Gary, but I started sitting. And a little while after started, I started sitting, I started going to Sishin at San Francisco Zen Center. And with Gary and with uh, some of the other people that had been in the Buddha's, the Buddha play, uh, we, 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 we got serious and we went to Sashin. And this was just a few years after Zen Center uh, acquired Green Gulch Farm. Um, and we went there, uh, that's where we went to sit. Um, and I think one, one, yeah, we just closed down the gardening business. <laughs> and go off for a week, you know, and in and, and, and the summer and sit session. And at that time, um, you know, that was still, um, it was still heavily influenced by the, by the you know, the, the, the Japanese practice that, that Zuki Roshi got and brought. And um, if anything, the, the the Americans wanted to do it even more rigorously than the Japanese did it. They wanted to do it, you know, really the right way and the hard way. And 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 so sashins were um, were very very um, they were really rigorous. Uh, and I was still in I mean I was just still in my in my twenties uh, when when I did my first sashin, uh, but there were you know. 14 40 minute periods each day for seven days and you sat you know cross-legged for the the orioki meals and i had never you know we had just been doing you know occasional half day sittings in somebody's living room in eugene you know and to go into that from with with that level of experience was 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 really 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 hard and uh, I had, especially the first time, the first, um, the first session, um, I, at the end, I, it was so hard for me and I was in so much pain at the end that I ended up just in a kind of, um, well, my friend who was in the Buddha play, the director of the Buddha play, and the last day and the la after it was over, he and I ended up on the floor with me sobbing in his arms, you know, I was so, I was so beaten. <laughs> I was so, I was so, you know, totally 
you know, it, it had been so, so hard. And, um, you know, you would have thought, you would have thought, well, he'll never do that again. <laughs> but no, no, I went back, you know, I, I kept going back. Um, I kept getting, getting drawn in and I didn't, didn't, I wasn't getting drawn in by the pain, you know, by the difficulty, by the suffering, but I was getting drawn in by um, the day after Sashin. That's what I was getting. Uh, that's when I saw that mind, when I had that consciousness, when I had that, those, that kind of uh, feeling in my body and mind, I, want, I wanted that. That's what I wanted. I knew I wanted that. And I, 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 I didn't know it was possible to be relaxed and at peace and at ease like that. I, I didn't know it was possible. And uh, of course, this, this wears off, you know, you go to Sashin and it wears off and you don't feel like that. But something in the body-mind remembers that you felt like that and it wants to go back and see, what was that? What, what was that? Oh, so the, I'll tell one story though about Gary. We were, we were, we were at Sashin. This is maybe maybe the second or second or third Sashin that we went to. And um, one day the Eno came up to me. I think it was the Eno, it was some Zendo official, and they said, "Where's Where's Gary? Have you Do you know where Gary is?" And I said, no, I hadn't even missed him. I mean, you know, it's a big Zendo and there's a lot of people in there. You know, these were big sessions. hundred people would be there sitting, 90, a hundred people would be sitting in these sessions. So a lot of people sitting. And um, so I hadn't known that he was gone, but he was, he wasn't there. And it turned out that he'd gotten some tremendous headache and he had just gone off and lay down in his back of his, I think he had a station wagon or something. He went and laid down in the back of his station wagon and just crashed out there. And, you know, this is not the, this is not the proper, you know, he, he was making a mistake, right? Because you, if you, you can leave the schedule during Sashin, it's okay to leave the schedule. I've been wanting to point this out, actually. Um, you know, some people, I've, uh, some people have, when we sit like a, a one day or, or something longer, or we sit session here, you know. Um, some people think, well, oh, I can't take it anymore. I, I've got to, I got to, I got to uh, step out. That's fine, but 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 you should you should just tell somebody that you're stepping out of the schedule when you step out of the schedule, and then don't think, well, oh, I've stepped out and now I'm going to stay out. Just step out and rest the amount of time that you need to rest and then ask yourself could i go back to the schedule oh i think i could i think most of the time you can come back to the schedule but anyway maybe something will happen and you won't be able to come back to the schedule but uh anyway two things if we sit a longer sit um you're invited to leave the schedule but please tell the eno or me Whoever's leading the session, if it's not, if, if I'm leading it, but Dorley, you know, is here, you can tell her and she'll tell me and 
that you've stepped out, or you can just tell me directly and I'll, I'll tell her. But anyway, uh, you should tell somebody who's in the leadership of the sitting that you're, lead, you're stepping out. And then, you know, you maybe say, oh, I'm gonna step out for one period and go for a walk. Okay, fine. Thank you very much for telling me. And then you're, I know you're okay, you just need a little break and you're gonna come back or you're gonna go lie down, whatever. Uh, so that's something I, I didn't, I think I've never made that clear that you can do that. So after all these years, so you're, you're, you're allowed to do that. So I don't remember when I, I when I don't remember, I don't remember when Gary started to show the symptoms of uh, Parkinson's disease. I think it was at least 10 years ago. Uh, and I saw him around and I, I'm vague on the timing, but but I saw him around the time that he was starting to get it. And, and it was, wasn't even clearly diagnosed at that time, but he had some tremors. That's one of the things, some shaking that happens. And, um, but it was barely discernible and he was fine and he was confident and self-assured. He always maintained that kind of attitude. You know, he had a, I mean, you could say it was a very positive attitude. He was, he was, he was gonna, it wasn't like he was gonna be okay, but it was like, it was sort of like he could, he could deal with it or it wasn't a problem or he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna let it slow him down. But if you know, I mean, Parkinson's is a progressive disease. It, 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 it very slowly gets worse and worse. And that's what happened with Gary. Slowly, it became worse and worse. And he is married or was married and his wife could take care of him in the early stages of the, of the disease. But um, as it progressed, she, she found that she, she no longer could take care of him. And he had to go into assisted living. And um, so there's physical effects to Parkinson's, but there are also cognitive effects to Parkinson's. And he began experiencing those cognitive effects. And um, he got the, he got the idea somehow, or one of the, he, he, he thought he, he could leave. He thought he could step out of the of the of the assisted living facility, but he had mobility problem. He, he he didn't he couldn't walk well, and so he would try to get out. And sometimes he did get out of the, he escaped of from the assisted living facility, and but he would fall. He couldn't he couldn't go far because because he was he mobility was all. all compromised by the disease. And so he, he kept trying to leave and falling and injuring himself. 
And it was really, it was really very sad, you know, very, very sad. I mean, because, and I, I wrote him a letter and I, I called him and he called me back one time when he was in the assisted living place and he couldn't talk for long. He really couldn't, but he thanked me for writing to him. And uh, I was just very moved that he called me back. I mean, he, the call probably didn't last more than a minute because he just couldn't sustain it. You know, he, he told, you know, I could tell he just couldn't do it for very long. And then finally, um, he couldn't, um, the assisted living place said, because of his, all of his leaving and falling, they couldn't keep him there anymore. And so his wife had to f find another place, a memory care they, where they lock the, lock the doors. And, um, and he kept trying to get up and get out and, um, falling and, um, uh, now, finally, uh, I heard the last, the last thing that was kind of heartbreaking is, is they, they, he's my friend who's keeping me kind of posted about him said they put like some kind of net around his bed so that he couldn't get out without assistance to try to protect him. Um, and finally, he, he just stopped eating. My friend said he knew what he was doing. He said he, she said, um, he just knew it, it, it was time, you know, that he, he couldn't, he couldn't go on and that, and that his, it was, I don't know. I mean, I didn't get to see him in person. So it's really, it's hard for me to say about it, but, um, you know, Gary McNabb, this person on our altar, um, he was a, he was a Zen student for 45 years or so, 45, maybe 50 years. He was practicing Zen. He was ordained for 40 years. He was, he'd received Dharma transmission 24 years ago. He went back to Eugene. He ordained, he lay ordained students there he had a sangha there he taught there he was a person of the way for most of his life and at the end of his life he he couldn't do it you know he couldn't practice and i i think the the whole the point that I, you know, this isn't really a Dharma talk, I guess, but the Dharma point here is, you know, if you can listen to this talk and you understand the words and you can follow what I'm saying, you have a precious gift. You have a precious gift. You have the gift of consciousness. You have the gift of self-awareness. Gary McNabb, a Zen student for 45, 50 years, did not have this gift in the way that you have it right now. So I think the teaching for me, the teaching is, 
This is precious, what we have, just being alive and having a more or less, yes, neurotic, yes, confused, but a more or less normal psychology. It's a precious gift that we have. Uh, so this is, I just, I just feel like with, if, 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 and I kind of, I'm kind of giving this talk for Gary, right? I mean, I'm giving this talk for, for Gary and, and in his honor and in his memory. And I think he'd approve of me using his example this way. I think he'd, he'd say, what a precious gift you have. Don't waste time. Like, you know, we, we have that harmony of difference in unity. It ends. I humbly say to those who study the mystery, don't waste time. Well, you know, don't waste time because how long are you going to have this opportunity? How long are we, any of us, going to have this opportunity? At some point, we may not. Maybe we, nobody knows, right? Maybe we'll get some illness and suffer a long decline. I understand that Dave's mom was, had an illness and, and a, a long decline like Gary did. So maybe that's one way. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll be completely with it till the, um, you know, the end and die in our sleep, you know, and we don't, nobody knows though. We have, we have, we have uh, very little control, very little to say about how our life is going to end. Very little to say, but we have, we have some say now. Now is when we have some say, right now. Uh, Mary Oliver, the poet, she says, sort of like Sekito, except a little more poetic, you know, because, well, Sekito, who said, I humbly say to the, those who study the mystery, don't waste time. He was a poet as well, but Mary Oliver is a contemporary poet. And, she, and, her, and her similar admonition or question to us was, what will you do with your one precious what your one i think she's one your one wild and precious life what will you do with your one wild and precious life you know i'm not uh, berating you or anything i'm just encouraging us that's what um that's what sangha is for you know so we practice um for ourselves um for each other um and and we and we can practice for those who can't practice there are those who can't practice and we can practice for them
uh, yeah, I, I really encourage if you have if you have um, people in your life um, that are suffering in in any way, psychologically, from disease, so many different causes. Uh, think of do about doing a well-being ceremony once a week. This is my practice. I, I think it's. I think it connects you, even if you're even if you're not that connected, uh, you know, in space and time. Uh, it will. It will help you, and it will. I think, it helps the whole situation. Um, it's just like. You know, out of the whole universe, I got to meet. Gary McNabb, you know, how does this happen? We don't know how these things happen, but they're through our intention, somehow they do.